Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I'm your host, Archie Mitchell, and this is the Crown Jewel Review Show here tonight on If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. That's right. I will be looking at the entire card for WWE Crown Jewel happening this Saturday in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and I will tell you my predictions for what I feel that will be happening. Now, next week, I may touch upon some of the highlights from this exact show, but I will not do an entire show review because I do not plan on watching Crown Jewel in its entirety. Why? Because I do not mess with those blood money pay-per-views, ladies and gentlemen. I have not watched them before. I don't intend to watch them again. So I'm sorry if anybody was expecting me to do a full-on prediction for this show, but I promise you, it's still a good show. We've got some quick hits. We've got an entire rundown of what will be happening at Crown Jewel, and then I'm going to go ahead and grind my gears. So with that being said, let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get into some quick hits. And tonight we start off with the WWE canceling Hell in a Cell's premium live event wants to bring the gimmick uh, back to being special and held every now and then instead of once a year under a pay-per-view or PLE banner. I like the sound of this. I like the idea of them doing away with the TLC pay-per-view. I like the idea if they want to even do away with the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. These types of show should be done these types of matches should be done on a particular show for instance money in the bank was invented at wrestlemania so i think that that it should happen once a year at wrestlemania and you have one or even two ladder matches for the money in the bank briefcase and then give the wrestler one full year until wrestlemania to cash it in in the same regard hell in a cell was i believe uh made at the bad blood pay-per-view the first Hell in a Cell pay-per-view match uh, between Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker. And with that being said, I think that it makes a good idea to uh, make it happen every so often. You know what I mean? One of these types of matches, not multiple, because then it just becomes a gimmick. So I, I once again tip my hat to Triple H and the WWE crew for going ahead and pulling back on the gimmicks just a little bit. Number two... New Japan Wrestling Kingdom, excuse me, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom 17 logo criticized for looking too much like the WrestleMania logo from last year. Now, I have looked at both logos and they are similarities, but if we're going to criticize somebody for doing something like a logo, then guys, you know, not everything is going to be different. Not everything is not going to be, you know, matchy matchy. Uh, Sometimes it's going to happen. I don't know if New Japan did it on purpose. I don't know if New Japan was looking to borrow on the success of WrestleMania, but Wrestle Kingdom, now in its 17th year of running, has always done incredible business. So I don't think they were looking to kind of leech off of WrestleMania in any way. In fact, WrestleMania went to a two-day a two-day event to try to be more like Wrestle Kingdom. So I think it was just the designer designing something and making something and then somebody looking and go hey that looks a lot like the wrestlemania logo too late to change it now it's going to be happening in january i like wrestle kingdom i see no fault in this you know what i mean if anything maybe it'll make a casual fan go hey that looks a lot like the wwe's wrestlemania logo maybe i want to check out wrestle kingdom whatever the case may be 
it's wrestling, folks. Not everything is going to be different. A lot of things are going to be similar. Number three, and this is a big one, WWE opens the forbidden door. Shinsuke Nakamura, <coughs> excuse me, will be wrestling the great Muda at Nippon Pro in Japan. That's right. WWE SmackDown superstar Shinsuke Nakamura will go to Japan in January to take part in the Great Muda Farewell Tour and will wrestle the Great Muda. I can't tell you how happy this makes me. Shinsuke Nakamura is one of the best Japanese superstars I've ever watched. Watching him back in New Japan, early days against Brock Lesnar, watching him against uh, Tanahashi and Okada, unbelievable. So to see him go on one-on-one, -on -one, uh, and, and be a part of the Great Muda's Farewell Tour, the Great Muda, the Muda, the first Japanese wrestler I really ever laid eyes on that was actually, you know, from the Orient and, and you know, was somebody to be feared. This is fantastic. I, I don't know why the WWE has done this. There's been nothing really said if this was something that Nakamura wanted to do and the WWE gave him a blessing or if maybe the WWE wanted to throw their name in the hat for Muda's final tour. Muda has never wrestled in WWE. He's never even appeared in the WWE or WWF. So it's weird, but I like it. And I think that those two are going to have a fantastic match. Do I think that Muda will be taken care of and safe? Yes, because I have never heard to this date of Nakamura injuring anybody. I think that it will be a great one-on-one -on -one strong style matchup. And I, for one, can't wait until January to actually watch it. And number four, finally, on AEW Dynamite this week, we saw the returns of Colt Cabana, Shibata, and the debut of Jeff Jarrett. That's right, you heard me. And I'm going to go over these one by one. Uh, Colt Cabana returning means to me that AEW is finally severing ties with CM Punk. Now, that's just my speculation. But, I mean, that's what I'm seeing here. Why would you bring the guy back when he's got all these problems with Punk? If, uh, you know, and this is what was stemming from the problem at the medium scrum, if Punk wasn't already having a foot out the door. You know what I mean? It was great to see Colt back. I think him and Chris Jericho put on a decent matchup for the Ring of Honor title. And I'm I'm happy to see that he's once again at work, you know. Uh, with Shibata, another incredible New Japan talent. We saw him at Forbidden Door help out Orange Cassidy uh, with the Willow Spray and, and, you know, everything that was going on there. He's now back and will be challenging Orange Cassidy at Rampage for the All-Atlantic title. That's right, Shibata will have his first real match back since his terrible injury where he received brain damage. And that's what scares me, folks. And that's not saying that Orange Cassidy is not a safe worker. Again, he's never, you know, injured anybody in his career. But Shibata, who basically had his head busted open so badly that he experienced brain damage, is stepping back in the ring, and I don't want to see him get injured. So I hope that all precautions are taken, and I hope that he is kept safe. There has been word that he is back because he did want to work with Orange Cassidy and one other man on the AEW roster, and that man is Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson. Uh, pardon me, my WWE fandom coming out there. Um and yeah, if, if that's the case and Shibata can remain healthy and be kept safe, by all means, I would love nothing more than to see Shibata and Danielson go one-on-one. -on -one. That would be a dream match 
more so than anything else AEW can ever do. And finally, the debut of Jeff Jarrett. Um, guys, I've never been a Jeff Jarrett fan. When he was back in the GWF, um, he was a young punk kid. When he was in the USWA, I thought that he was being made out to be more of a star than anything because his dad was running the company. Um, in the WWF, I thought that he was boring, and I thought it was he was just a very annoying guy who said his name over and over again and spelled it out. You know, his first run in WCW was lackluster. His return back to the WWE was even more lackluster. And then he finally got to the don't piss me off slap nuts Jeff Jarrett that we all knew in his ending of the WWE run and going into the WCW back, you know, once again, because he ping-ponged quite a bit, folks. And let me be honest here. Jeff Jarrett is only a 12-time World Heavyweight Champion because Vince Russo and Jeff Jarrett booked himself to be a 12-time World Heavyweight Champion. And that, look, I understand wrestlers book themselves to be champions all day long. Ric Flair, Triple H, I understand. But there were other guys on that roster in WCW and in TNA that could have held that title more than Jeff did, and for longer. On the booking note, um, he basically ran TNA into the ground. And he wasn't exactly doing a bang-up job in WWE either, or they wouldn't have fired him. So, um, yeah, what's he going to do in AEW? A little feud with Darby Allin, maybe a revisit to his feud with Sting from TNA and WCW. Do we really want that again? Do we really need that again in 2022? It, it's ridiculous. Uh, that was the, the most lackluster debut I've ever seen. It was one of the weirdest wait for a chair, sh uh, uh, excuse me, guitar shots I've ever seen. And I just think that it was all weird all around. But it's AEW. What can I say? <clears throat> so, with that being said, those are the quick hits, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, let's, again, not waste any time. Let's go ahead and get into our crown jewel pay-per-view uh, prediction and review of the card. For any of you wondering, this is Muhammad Hassan's WWE theme song before he was fired. So I thought that it set the tone nicely for Crown Jewel. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I thought I was going to have uh, some guests here with me talking about Crown Jewel uh, this week. Uh, but I kind of fell under the weather a couple of days ago. Uh, not COVID. Took a test. Thank God it's not COVID. Uh, but it is a cold and it is catching. And I did not want to uh, bring any of my friends around me uh, in order to do this. So I figured I'd go once again, one man in the booth like I always have and get it done. But you will see me have some guests uh, in the future uh, on a future episode of You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. So, you know, I, I do promise you that will happen sooner rather than later. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the crown jewel card and predictions for this pay-per-view that I like to call Blood Money. I believe it's Blood Blood Money number seven, but I, maybe I, I, someone could correct me, let me know, leave a comment on the Facebook page or on the We Can't Wrestle podcast group. Uh, number one match. There are eight matches on this card. Uh, first match that we're looking at is Braun Strowman taking on... Omos. 
Uh, this is obviously a battle of the Giants, although Omos has been dwarfing uh, Braun Strowman over the last couple of weeks, and it's ridiculous. But, uh, yeah, uh, actually really funny to see those two stand toe-to-toe. I have no doubt that we're going to see them full power pushing each other around, and Omos is probably going to do a lot to uh, get Braun Strowman, you know, to look kind of small and uh, uh, like a weakling. And then the monster among men is just going to overpower him out of nowhere. I see Braun Strowman going over, and I have to say this is probably the one match on the card I'm not looking forward to because, one second, <clears throat> it's it's just a, a, a throwback to old times when uh, big men went up against one another. And look, I'm, I was all for Andre the Giant versus Big John Stud, but Braun Strowman and Omos are not those two guys. So this just seems like it's lazy booking and going to be a, a really – Slow, lumbering, bad match. Yeah. Number two, the club versus the Judgment Day in a six-man tag. Uh, All but Dominic Mysterio are probably going to have a great matchup because I still don't think that kid has gotten over. And, uh, yeah. Uh, But uh, this has been a nice, you know, beginning to this storyline. I like that they've done a couple of singles matches and a tag match here and there, and they've had a few, you know, face-to-face confrontations. I've enjoyed Rhea Ripley's uh, involvement as well. Slamming Dob Gallows a couple of weeks ago was like, wow. And um, I expect the Judgment Day to actually go over here because, uh, yeah, it it just makes sense. You know, the club can withstand the loss because they've just gotten back together. Uh, And I could see them overcoming somewhere down the line on a Raw or at another pay-per-view or maybe even at Survivor Series. But I, I expect Judgment Day to go over, if not by DQ, then the whole match is being thrown out because everyone gets involved and the you know ref can't handle it. But this should be a good six-man tag. Uh, number three, uh, for the Raw Women's Tag Team Champions, uh, Alexa Bliss and Asuka Sorry, will be... I'm having trouble connecting to the internet. <laughs> Excuse me, like folks. Alexa, go to sleep. So try restarting them. Unplug both Amazing. Them. The power of live television, ladies and gentlemen. I said the name Alexa, and my Alexa went off. <laughs> Alexa Bliss and Asuka will be uh, taking on Dakota Kai and Io Sky, and it's Alexa Bliss and Asuka defending because they won the titles on Raw. I don't know why they won the titles. I thought it was a bad move to put a makeshift tag team that have only had like four matches together uh, in a you know to become the tag champions. But I guess that's what the you know women's tag titles are. <laughs> but in any indication, uh, I see Dakota Kai and Io Sky winning back the gold here in uh, Riyadh. And uh, leading to success for the entire damage control team. Um, I just think that Bliss and Asuka are not a very good team. And I see a breakup somewhere down the line. And it just seems like this would be the best place to see those cracks happen. Uh, This should probably be the second match on the card that I'm not that interested in seeing. And only because it was just made because of what happened on Monday Night Raw. You know what I mean? Number four, the Usos taking on the Brawling Brutes with the Usos defending the Unified World Tag Team titles. Uh, This should be a fantastic matchup. You've got the Brawling Brutes who do a fantastic job inside and outside of the ring, just beating down their opponents. You know, the name says it all, Brawling Brutes. Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland are that brutish tag team. But then you've got the sadistic, smart, thinking man's team of the Usos who've always got Solo Sequoia and... uh, Sammy Zayn walking around in the background. So, 
yeah, I, I foresee this being a great tag match with the Usos retaining and could be a show stealer, in, in my opinion. Then we've got Drew McIntyre taking on Karrion Cross inside a steel cage so that Scarlett Bordeaux does not get involved. Um, let me tell you why that's bullshit. <laughs> Scarlett Bordeaux weighs about 105 to 110 pounds and can probably climb that cage with no issue, and I would not fault her for climbing it and probably taking a dive over down onto Drew McIntyre, which is probably something we're going to see. She'd probably have to do it fully clothed, but it is something we could see. Now, that being said, I think this should be a great match. These guys had a, a really banger of a match with the strap match they had at Extreme Rules, but I don't like that it's just been gimmick match after gimmick match now. I'd like them to have a one-on-one -on -one matchup where we actually see them test themselves and get a pinfall rather than it being all these gimmicks, you know. And I think it's leading us to Survivor Series where we'll finally get that one-on-one -on -one encounter. I kind of see Drew winning here because of a mess up by Scarlett and costing carrying Cross the matchup. But I also could see Cross winning because they don't want to mess with his momentum and Drew can withstand a loss. So... This is kind of 50-50 booking. It could go either way, but I think it should be one hell of an encounter between these two guys. Number six. <clears throat> Brock Lesnar taking on Bobby Lashley, a rematch that we should have had quite a while ago, but because of COVID reasons and other problems, these two never got a chance to meet again. They had two great outings. Lashley won one. Uh, Lesnar won one. And... Yeah, I think this rubber match is finally going to put an end to this feud, but I think it's been great. The battle they've had on Monday Night Raw, seeing Triple H come out and break them up this past Monday, it's what it should be. You know, two guys you can't control and have to pull apart. Well done. I foresee Brock going over. I know that's not going to get over with a lot of people. I know people are going to be like, but Bobby needs the win. He needs the push. No, Bobby has had the push. Bobby was just the United States champion for so many months and had a great run as the champion. So I don't think Bobby Lashley needs a win over Brock Lesnar, nor do I need think that Brock Lesnar needs a win over Bobby Lashley. But because you can't end this match in a no contest, because we've seen that happen way too many times, and I'm sorry for my wheezing, but like I said, I have a cold, so I'm you know dealing with a little bit of wheeziness here. <clears throat> I, I for just foresee Brock Lesnar going over because he has gone over in Riyadh a lot at Crown Jewel and other uh, international pay-per-views, so I, I have to pick Lesnar here if I'm making a true prediction. Number seven, Bailey taking on Bianca Belair in a last woman standing match. Now, I like where they're going with this. They had the ladder match. Now they're going to a last woman standing match. We saw what happened on Monday Night Raw when Bailey hit the Bailey to, uh, belly to Bailey on the outside and through a table. I have a feeling we're going to see a similar ending and then one of them spring up at nine and get the win out of nowhere. And I'm hoping it's Bailey. and here's why. Bianca has had the title for quite some time. She's done all she can. She's beaten all comers, including Becky Lynch and Bailey already. I just think that there are not enough uh, heels for her to defend the title against because once you get past Bailey and Dakota Kai and Io Sky, who are really left as uh, heels. Nikki Cross just came back. Okay, that's fine, but who else is there? Unless you turn Alexa Bliss or Asuka heel, or you bring back Carmella, who's dealing with some health issues right now, 
who else is left on the Raw side for the women's division that isn't already involved in other storylines or, you know, really a, a heel? So I think that if Bailey wins the title here and now Bianca starts to chase, it makes more sense that Bailey can defend against, well, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, Bianca Belair, and anyone else who comes at her for the title. You know what I mean? It just makes more sense. Bianca has had a great run as champion. It's time to put the belt on Bailey, have damage control hold down the division for a little while, and then give Bianca another moment at Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania again this year because, you know, she is a big moment maker. You know what I mean? But this storyline and feud has had a lot of great momentum since Bailey came back at SummerSlam, and I think that they're doing the right thing here. I just think that Bailey should be the odds-on favorite to get the win. And finally, our main event, <clears throat> Roman Reigns defends the unified World Universal Heavyweight Championship of the world. Yeah, that's a long name. Against Logan Paul. I have had countless arguments with friends on Facebook and my friends in real life. That Logan Paul is worthy of this title shot because his name gets out there. He has 60 million social media followers and it will help and it will bring new fans and it will do things for the company. And if no one has looked at the ratings lately, whenever Logan Paul has been on television, they have tanked. If no one has looked at the ratings lately, Raw has been doing very badly when Logan Paul appears on an episode. His 60 million fans on social media are not watching him on Monday Night Raw. None of his 60 million fans will be present in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, because I don't believe that anyone knows who he is in Saudi Arabia. These are the same fans who asked Vince McMahon to bring Yokozuna and the Ultimate Warrior with him for the first Crown Jewel pay-per-view. Do you really think that they know who Logan Paul is? Do you really think that they care that he's defend he's getting a shot at defend at the defending world heavyweight champion Roman Reigns? Now, <laughs> here's what this has done. It's made Lo it's made Roman Reigns a face because the fans are booing Logan Paul out of the arenas. It's made Roman Reigns popular. It's made him cheered. It's made him loved. And I believe that the fans in Saudi Arabia will do just that as well. And I also believe that this is going to be maybe a 10 or a 15 minute matchup where Logan Paul will hit a couple of diving moves and move on from there. And then Roman Reigns will hit his spear and his Superman punch and maybe a power bomb. The Usos will get involved. Oh, Jake Paul will get involved because he's there with his brother in Saudi Arabia for no damn reason after he just had a sham of a boxing match against Anderson Silva. It's ridiculous to me that we turned a male version of the Kardashians into an actual wrestler. And I blame Vince McMahon for this. And I blame Triple H, honestly. And I praised Triple H the last few months. But I blame him for even continuing with this and allowing this to happen. Because it has not helped anything one bit. Okay? It didn't help the buy rate of SummerSlam when he fought the Miz. It didn't help the buy rate of WrestleMania when he fought the Mysterios and it's not helping the buy rate for Crown Jewel because he's fighting Roman Reigns. No. It's stupid. 
He is the 2022 epitome and equivalent to David Arquette. We all know he's not winning. This is the one time you can say wrestling is totally predictable, and we already know the outcome. Roman Reigns retains. It's ridiculous. Okay? If this match gets any more than 15 minutes, shame on them. There is no reason for this match to have taken place, and it should not take up that much room on the card. And if anything, maybe let Brock and Lashley debut. Maybe a, a, a main event. Maybe let McIntyre and Cross main event in the cage match. Because you're letting Logan Paul main event any of your pay-per-views, whether it's a throwaway pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia or it's something small or a big one, is bullshit. And it's bullshit for the sake of bullshit. All right? So... With that being said, I'm now going to go ahead and move to my final segment. And it's Nate Maxson's favorite segment. So you know it's got to be good. And it is What Grinds My Gears. And I was thinking long and hard about this one this week. I really was. I had a few different things going on in my head, and I said, maybe I'll give a palate cleanser. Maybe I won't do a grinds my gears this week. And then I said, but, you know, what? what's going on? And then I saw something that totally and utterly pissed me off. Matt Hardy said that he'd like his and Jeff's final match when they decide to retire to be against Edge and Christian in a farewell match. Matt Hardy who has had multiple chances in TNA, WWE, and now AEW. His brother, Jeff, who have had multiple chances in TNA, WWE, and now AEW, wants to dictate when his last match should be and when they should retire and what should happen. You know, I'm starting to get a little pissed off with the myth of the Hardy Boys. Yeah, they re-envisioned themselves and revamped themselves when they brought out the Broken Hardys in Impact Wrestling, and everybody was booming for them. And then they were traveling the world and winning titles everywhere they went. And they went to Ring of Honor and won those titles in Japan and Mexico. And I get it. And they were great in the Attitude Era with the Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian. But over the last three or four years, the Hardy Boys have become a bona fide joke. And I see fans constantly. I hope they come back to the WWE to retire and have their final matches. Man, they deserve one more shot in the WWE. Man, I hope they come back. Why? So we can see Matt have a bad bunch of matches and then eventually get let go and Jeff stick around for another year after that and get so badly on drugs. They call for him to go to rehab, and he says no again, and then he has to get put in rehab by another company because he's so badly damaged. Should we replay that again? Should we see the same constant thing happening to these two guys who were once heroes of young children in the Attitude Era and then began getting cheered again in the late 2000s and 2010s and finally found themselves again only to get for lack of a better word, broken all over again? Matt Hardy relies on social media too much to talk about what he thinks and what he wants. And his wife, Rebby Sky, has the biggest 
diarrhea of the mouth I've ever seen because that woman likes to stake her claim and say her piece about everything. Rebbe, you were in the wrestling business for three minutes. <clears throat> and you really never made it to that big of an, a, a major scene. You were in the independence and you made it to TNA to play the piano for Matt. So your opinion don't mean shit. She's made him burn bridges with the WWE on multiple occasions. She's made him burn bridges with Impact Wrestling on multiple occasions. She's made him burn bridges with his own brother on multiple occasions. But that's okay because they're the Hardy Boys. Well, I guess what? They're not the Hardy Boys anymore. They've both got children. They've both got families. It's time for these two men to pack it up and go home. Here's why. Because they continue to disgrace their legacy more so than I've ever seen. They are beginning to act like Ric Flair does now in his 70s. Meanwhile, they're in their late 40s and almost 50s. Sometimes an athlete needs to know when to hang it up. Sometimes a wrestler needs to know when it's time to shut up and just be there. Matt Hardy is not a driving force anymore. Jeff Hardy is not a main, main eventer anymore. There is no dream match in seeing Jeff Hardy fall off a scaffold from 40 feet in the air and land on Sting. <coughs> I'm sorry if I'm bursting anybody's bubbles, but I'm, I'm, I got to be honest with you here, guys. That's what I'm seeing lately. Everybody's always calling for a Hardy Boys return. So all I'm going to tell you guys is don't bank on the Hardys anymore. Because it's been the same vicious circle in every company they've gone to. It happened the first time they went. They left the WWE and went to TNA. Then they came back to the WWE. They did it all over again and went back to TNA. And then they went back to the WWE and did it all over again until they got to, M to AEW and did it all over again. Let these guys ride off into the sunset. Allow them to enjoy their golden years. Because all, all these fans calling for them to do more and all these fans rooting for them when they say they need to do this match and that match and do this bigger and do that better, it's going to their heads. And it's ruining their careers and shortening their lives too. So, with that being said, I will close it on that. I want to thank you guys for joining me in all of my sickness and health as I spewed my venom, my hate, and my love for the world of professional wrestling. Um, thank you for putting up with the Alexa popping in as my special guest out of nowhere. And I will be back next week with more NXT, AEW, Quick Hits, the Highlight Reel, and who knows, maybe we'll cleanse our palate. You all have a great night, and I will see you next time on If You Smell what the Arch is cooking.